What's going on, coaches? Our newest episode of Talking Ball, which is one of our seven series on RTP Premium on our website, runthepower.com. Our newest episode, episode nine, is now out. Uh, we talked to the coaches over at Cedar Hill. They came to the dojo. We talked some inside zone, some pass pro, uh, and a bunch of other different run schemes. That's all that half of that day, which that whole day was about two hours. So we got our first hour video from that day is up. We'll release the next hour here in the next few weeks uh, or next month on Talking Ball. But episode nine is now up. We talk about inside zone. We talk about pass pro, um, all the other run schemes they have at Cedar Hill. Uh, we had a blast, the running backs and their offensive line coach. So you guys can find that on RTP Premium. If you're not a member, again, that's only $10 a month. And we've got seven different series. We go special teams. We go talking ball, installing on offense, um, weightlifting, uh, a bunch of different things on there for you guys. A whole strength and conditioning regiment for you, uh, kind of based off of Feed the Cats. So Everything you need, hopefully, from us, from merchandise to videos to these podcast episodes, all on our website, runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our newest sponsor, Story of the Season. Story of the Season helps high school and college football teams share their story like never before. Each week, they collect all your video highlights, articles, interviews, and other content and publish a digital game recap magazine that captures everything that happened on and off the field. At the end of the season, they publish a digital yearbook covering each game. The revenue schools make from selling our subscriptions and ads more than covers the production fee and provides coaches with an extra funding for their program. Story of the Season requires zero effort for coaches and gives them an incredible tool to engage the world with their team. Contact Chris Herman by emailing chris at storyoftheseason.com to learn more or call 518 944 Three three one one, or find them over at Twitter at Story the Season. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Guardian Caps. Do you have linemen? Are their helmets getting scuffed up during inside run period? If so, there's a way to protect those shells and reduce the repetitive blows your guys are taking during the week. Guardian Caps reduces twenty to thirty three percent of the impact, really focusing on those big guys in the trenches, like we coach. Worn by Clemson, Texas, Oklahoma, Washington, Virginia, 150 other colleges, and over 1,500 high schools across the country, including mine at Broken Arrow and Coach Walls in Ankeny. They are currently running an early bird promo. It's an unbelievable uh, price for them right now. 40 caps for $2,000 uh, with 10 of them for free, plus 10 free. They get 10 free ones as well. Check them out in our, free show, uh, in our show notes or go to guardiansports.com slash football on this episode of rtp we talk with Derek sage coach sage is the tight ends coach and special teams coordinator at ucla listen as we talk with coach sage about his unique journey from juco ball to being a ga to being an fbs coach we also talk about his philosophy on developing and recruiting great tight ends and wide receivers in addition to some of his favorite ways to get production and yardage from your tight ends in any offense you can follow Coach Sage on Twitter at Coach D Sage. Hope you guys enjoy. Well, I, I played uh, in Reed High School in Sparks, Nevada. You know, not a lot of people know about that, um, but uh, pretty successful there. We had 
a pretty good run at the zone championship uh, both both years I was there. Played tight end, so, you know, a 6-2 tight end, uh, 200 and something pounds, um, you know, back in the day was considered decent size, but not big enough to, to get any mail or whatnot. I got a couple of letters from, you know, Nevada and uh, Washington State. I remember that was a big one, but, uh, you know, just got kind of got the itch to that, – that's right when I really started putting focus on the, on the working out and lifting. And, um, you know, my dad said, if you want to play tight end in college, you got to do that. And I loved college football. My dad had season tickets to Cal growing up. So we would always go down and, uh, and watch, you know, Cal play the next morning uh, after my games, which was really cool because I'd sleep all the way till about uh, – oh, I say Sacramento and then wake up and, and you know, rip a, a Mountain Dew and some chocolate donuts and then go watch Cal play. So – I think that's where I got the, the, the itch to just, I knew football was going to be part of my life when I'd come over there and we'd walk to the stadium and, 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 and I'd come up the stairs and I'd see the grass and, and see the guys warming up. And I knew that, that I'd, I would always reference that, you know, this is what I'm going to do at some point. I don't know what capacity it's going to be, but I'm going to be around this sport. You know, I'm going to do my, my best to do that. So, um, you know, I didn't get a lot of recruiting interest. So I took the JC route, which was really cool. Wouldn't uh, change it for the world. Uh, I played at Sacramento City College, met one of my, my best friends in this profession there. We actually got into a little tussle uh, first day of pads, and then uh, they actually moved us into a new locker the next day, and it's a JC locker room, so you had to share a locker, uh, you know, with a guy, and lo and behold, I'm sharing it with uh, with Jamar Kane. So, you know, Jamar's the uh, the D-line coach now at Oklahoma, so, um, you know, and he's had a, a similar journey as myself, but that, uh, you know, he said, he just looked at me and said, well, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to be my friend? Are you going to be miserable about, you know, you were holding me anyway. And I said, I wasn't holding you, but I'll still be your, your friend. So, um, you know. That forms a, a lot of, ladies, of relationships in football. It sure does, man. It sure does. A couple of uh, weddings later and, you know, seeing the kids being born and everything, you know, and now we're, we're here. So, um, had a great experience at, at Sacramento City College. Got to play for uh, uh, Jerry Sullivan. Anybody up in Northern California, JC's, you know, that knows that name. Um, and he's really the one that kind of got me going, steered towards coaching. Um, and then from there, I, uh, I went to Cal State Northridge. And, um, you know, I just had a buddy on the team down here and said, hey, I think you can come in right away. I was a mid-year. My dad did a great job of kind of being my academic advisor and saying I need to do take these extra classes so you can get out in mid-year, which I kind of knew about it at the time. But I was just like, what does that mean? He goes, well, you want to practice with the team in December, you know, and in and, and January and spring ball. And so uh, got there. and. Um, you know, got a scholarship and, 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 you know, we were, we were, we were okay. Uh, played in the big sky, had a lot of great experiences, met a lot of good teammates there. One of my, our quarterbacks actually Marcus Brady and Marcus is the uh, quarterbacks coach for the, uh, the Colts. So he's had a great career himself, but uh, at the time, you know, when we were playing, it was really a big deal. Marcus broke every one of Steve McNair's passing records in all of college football. So it was pretty impressive. You know, we were chucking the ball around quite a bit, which is, yeah. you know, like I said, a six two, 220 pound tight end, you know, I'm not going to do much, much run blocking in that scheme. So, um, <laughs> So it was part of that that team from uh, I believe it was oh oh one and oh two, which was the last years of the program. You know they folded the program, and I was really um, obviously really upset about it for the young kids, their career. But you know I was done. But I had a deal with with Coach Kieran, Jeff Kieran, who actually coached out here at USC. At, I think prior to the Northridge job, but I was going to be the student assistant uh, tight ends coach because they were, really didn't have one. We had kinda, we had an assistant O line coach that we got thrown to, and he did a great job with us, but. Um, Coach Kieran approached me and was like, hey, you, you, you want to coach these guys next year while you finish your degree? And I was all about it. So um, when they folded the program, you know, it was just really a, a kind of a hitch in the road. So our linebackers coach from, uh, from Northridge goes to Moore Park and calls me up and says, would you like to come out? And they need an O-line coach and a tight end coach. And he goes, it'd be a great opportunity. And Jim Bender's a legendary coach out here in Southern California. And um, so I went out there and 
I, I worded it in my 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 uh, statement to the Cal State Northers and and put how many hours I'd be out there. And and Bittner, Coach Bittner, did a great job of writing a letter too, and ended up getting 13 or 12 hours to go coach out there um, to finish up my degree. So I ended up taking 21 something units that last uh, that last semester to finish up. And I'd coach, you know, I'd go to school from you know eight to noon and then drive out to Moore Park. And, and had a great experience out there. Just learned, you know, that was when DV Sport was first coming out, and we had that. So I learned how to cut up film and do DV Sport. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Coach Bittner's son, Jimmy Bittner, he's the head coach out here uh, in Ventura County. He, he, he's, uh, he was the offensive coordinator. So just really learned a lot about, you know, just O-line in the trenches. And we had some good ones. You know, all five of our offensive linemen signed for Division One schools. And the tight end went to the Division One school, too. So we we're, were pretty talented. Um, but that was a great time. Um, and then from there, just making relationships with, with the coaches that came through, you know, and, and kind of hounded them and, and, hey, you got any GA jobs open, you know. Like, I mean, that was, I was that guy, and I'm not afraid to tell you that. I mean, you know, some people say I don't want to be that guy, but I, I did want to be that guy. Hmm. I just – I would get online, and even when I was in uh, senior in college, I just would ch- just look at people's bio. You know, look at this guy's – what is the tight ends coach? What is – at Texas, what does his bio look like? What is the receivers coach at – uh, Iowa State, what does his bio look like? And I just all saw that everybody was a GA. So that's really what I put all my focus into. And lo and behold, I, I hooked up with some guys in Nevada, you know, one being Jim Mastro and, uh, you know, lucky enough to get an interview there. And uh, they basically had to, the defensive coordinator was Jeff Mills at the time. He, he basically called me and said, hey, look, I need you to get out of the office and stop coming into the office. So we're going to give you the job. Um, and I just <laughs> need you here on, on Monday. Can you do that? And I was like, yeah. So I drove back down to Southern California and Packed my stuff up with my brother, and I was there Monday morning for a GA job on the defensive side. So um, that was a great experience. You know, got to go through two head coaches there. One was Chris Tormey when I first got the job there. Uh, and then um, Coach Alt, which was a legendary coach up in, in, in northern Nevada. You know, I used to wear my Pop Warner jersey to the Nevada games, you know, and watch Coach Alt's team play through all different Division II, uh, 1AA, and all the way up to when he transitioned into, into 1A. So, um Really cool to get a chance to work with Coach Alt and move to the offensive side of the ball then. Um, and then, uh, you know, from there, I, I drove across the country and took – I was lucky enough to get an interview at University of New Hampshire. Um, you know, it was kind of a crazy time in my life. We were done being a GA, so I'm making calls and reading the scoop, and the scoop was out – you know, the first scoop that was, you know, in beta, what I like to say. And uh, I'm, I'm looking on that, and I saw the GA job was open at Buffalo, and you know, we had played Buffalo, Nevada, and done well. The receivers did a great job, and I was, I was helping with receivers at the time. Um, and I'd also met uh, that coach that came through for Buffalo uh, at Moore Park when I was coaching. And uh, I just said, hey, I need to stay in Division One football. I, I'd like a chance to be a GA again. And he said, man, I wish you would have called me yesterday. We just hired a guy. And so I was, you know, oh, man, this is crazy. I'm going to go up to substitute teach again. And, you know, I'm bouncing at a local you know, bar that all my friends walk into, and it's just kind of a – what I thought was a low point, you know, in my life. I'm like, oh my, I'm living at home, thinking a lie. You know, I was living at home, you know, at right. 20 something years old, making $700 a month. And, um, and he said, I'll tell you what, though. He said, the guy just left from being a restricted earnings receiver coach at New Hampshire. And he goes, they were a playoff team this year. He goes, they just actually upset Georgia Southern in the first round of the playoffs. He says, they got a, you know, their head coach is a good head coach and they got the good offensive coordinator out there. He goes, you might want to call him. So I grabbed the book. If you guys know what the book is, is that high school book or the book that has every college uh, address and number in it. Used to get, I don't know how I used to get it, but all the full-time guys when I was a GA had it. And I always used to make sure I snagged one off of somebody's desk. And I got the book and I called and 
you know, I was just lucky enough to get on the phone with, with Coach Kelly. Uh, he was the only one in the office, and he was the offensive coordinator, and I just kind of told him my story like I'm telling you guys now, and he was, he was pretty interested, and he said, well, let's get you in touch with the head coach, and I'm going to tell you over a course of three months, you know, it, it turned into, you know, we're going to fly you all the way out here and put you up in a hotel to, uh, hey, I can pay for one, and then, hey, if you can get the flight, we'll, we'll put you up on a, uh, in a hotel, and then long story short, I showed up, Coach Mack, the head coach, picked me up from the airport, and he's like, hey, the hotel's full, you're going to have to sleep in, in the spare bedroom. I said, let's go, man, let's let's do it. So um, he picked me up and uh, interviewed and, and was fortunate enough to get that job, which was really cool. It's kind of what I, what I call, you know, the life-changing job right there. I mean, it was for, I think at the time, uh, $12,000, which, you know, you really don't care about, because I was just like, this is awesome, and this is what we're doing. So um, lucky enough to, to get that job, and um, you know, I think when I first walked into that office, I was trying to remember this today because I knew I was speaking with you guys. But when I shared an office, uh, I'm going to say I shared an office no bigger than this master bedroom that I'm sitting in right now with uh, four other guys. And um, let's see, it was Tim Cramsey, who's the offense coordinator, Marshall, uh, Joe Conlon, who's the head coach at Fordham, uh, Alex Grinch, who's the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma. And then uh, I'm trying to think, I was, I was racking my brain. Uh, uh, but, you know, just uh, fortunate to be around just a Jeez, bunch of young, good coaches yeah. that were all, you know, in, in the same boat of you know, not really making any money, but not really caring, you know, and just kind of, and, you know, fast forward five years later, when you make your way up the, the ranks there is just seeing that it was worth its weight in gold, just learning from everybody and that came through that program and uh, obviously learning how to run a successful program, you know, through the head coach, Sean McDonald there. Um, you know, we went to the playoffs every year. We were 4-0 against Division 1A teams when we were there. We were pretty success successful. So. Um, and then watch Coach Kelly obviously go on to Oregon, and everybody obviously was rooting for him there. But, uh, yeah, just a really fun time. Met my wife out there, you know. So, um, obviously, just a, a great time. Um, and then transitioned to the University of Wyoming, you know. Um, just used some of the contacts that I made when I was at, uh, at, New or at Nevada um, and just kind of did the back channels. And, um, hey, do you know him? I'm pretty sure you went to uh, – I'm pretty sure you guys GA'd together back in whatever, you know. Is that true? Yeah, I, I can talk to him. I'll call him. So, <laughs> Really worked hard on that end, um, and then got again was lucky enough to go coach receivers at, at, at Wyoming. Um, and again, I know I'm throwing out a lot of names, but I, I learned something from all these guys, you know, along the way. And I think that's an important part. Is, as I listen to your guys' podcast, other people's podcasts, I think that's really important. When you, you know, sometimes you never know who you're sitting next to in a room um, to learn from or to uh, just to gain one little send of knowledge of, of something. So you know, Jim Harding was the old line coach there. He's at Utah. He's done a great job at the University of Utah. Um, Grinch was there again, you know, he was, he was there as, as the secondary coach. Marcus Arroyo was our offensive coordinator. You know, he's the head coach at, at UNLV now. Um, so just a, a you know, and the, the head coach, Dave, uh, Dave Christensen, you know, who I had watched, he was at Missouri doing all the, the empty stuff and running counter at an empty with the quarterback at the time. I can show you my VHSs that I have when I, uh, recorded them, you know, and I was pressing pause and play and record them all at the same time. So, um, just a great experience there. Um, and then uh, from there, went to Toledo. And that was another eye-opening experience, to be honest with you. I mean, here we go, uh, moving across the country with a, a four and a, and a less than one-year-old. And uh, But it was a great experience, man. I'll tell you what, it was, uh, you know, Matt Campbell got a chance to work with him and the entire staff there. And then was lucky enough to stay on with when Jason took over. And and uh, really, obviously, just to learn a ton from those guys, all the guys there, you know, the Tom Mannings, who's been in the NFL, who's now with him. Everybody that's at Iowa State, you know, obviously was at Toledo. And, and just learned a ton about receiver play from Coach Cannell. Coach Cannell's got, uh, I think, I was thinking about it the other day. I thought he had about five to seven active NFL guys that he coached, whether at Mountain Union, Toledo, 
Um, so really learned a lot about the, the, uh, the minute details in, in coaching receivers. And then we just learned a ton about recruiting. I think that was the biggest thing there, you know, learned a ton about recruiting from Matt, learned a ton about recruiting from Jason and, and really enjoyed our time there. And then, uh, from there, went to Wazoo and got a job, you know, got a, a chance to coach with, with Mike Leach, which, you know, uh, I, and I told him on my interview and, you know, if you guys know Coach Leach, you know, he'd be interested in, in knowing this. But, man, I used to trade guys online drill tapes just to listen to Coach Leach's drill tapes. You know, I, I'd film some of our Indy at Nevada and then I'd send it to some guy for, you know, six bucks and he'd send me a Leach 95 cut up, you know, on, on DVD or um, I mean, I, I had a ton of leech stuff, you know, I was just really infatuated with what he was doing all the way back to when I was at Northridge and he was at Texas tech. Um, so just an unbelievable opportunity, you know, Jim master was there who I got to work with, uh, at Nevada. And obviously he helped me get that graduate assistant job there. Um, but, uh, it, just really good, you know, cool to connect with him at that time of my career, you know, so you can see my kids and we we're about two doors down from each other. Um, you know, and like I said, Grinch was there as well, but, uh, it was just a really, a really cool opportunity. We, I think we won nine games that year, had a, had a special season. Um, and then Coach Kelly called, you know, that was, uh, I, I think everybody was, we were, was happy in Pullman. We had a nice little setup going there, but, um, you know, to come back and, you know, I've always talked to Coach Kelly along the way and thought of him as a, as a mentor and, you know, when you get frustrated in this profession as anybody does, I don't care what rank you're in, junior college, high school, middle school, you're going to get frustrated and, you know, you're going to need somebody to lean on and talk to. And he was always that guy, as well as Coach McDonald at University of New Hampshire. They're, they're my guys that I would call and hey, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me through it? Or what do you think of this? What should I do here in this case? Um, so just a chance to come back and, and, one, coach a different position. And I think that's huge, too. You know, you're talking about going on, I think, 12 years straight of coaching receivers uh, and then transitioning to uh, the tight ends, which was really cool, um, you know, to, to start putting that on your resume and building your resume from that angle. And then just to be back with Coach, you know, from – everything he's done in not only NFL football, but in college football itself. So um, here we are, we're at UCLA coaching the tight ends, had an added bonus of the special teams this year, which was really cool. Um, you know, and seeing the, a whole nother aspect of it, being in charge of that, which was uh, a blast. And, uh, and yeah, that's what we got. So, um, you know, just trying to do the, the best, making, trying to make these tight ends the, the most 50-50 tight ends we can. That's kind of what we say here at, at uh, UCLA is trying to make these guys move them up, down, all around, and just be uh, elite blockers and elite, elite receivers the best we can. So that's kind of – that's my story. Sorry I went a little long. No, it, it, works, it works out great for us. So uh, obviously a, a ton of different things to, to ask you about and, and uh, go through there. I actually had a few teammates that were at Washington State, Shane Ross and um, uh, Drew Hollingshead. I don't know if they were there. Yep. And then yep. Brian Odom might have been there before, might have already left by the time you got there. He was my – strength coach in college so I yeah. knew, knew a couple of those guys uh, up there so it, it is crazy the kind of small world that co uh, football can be um, so sure my is. biggest thing is I think that it, you're exactly right you, you talk about trading to get some of uh, you know some of coach Kelly's drill tape I think everyone at least here in, in Oklahoma where I was you know and even when I went to Houston we were watching film of Oregon in games I mean we're at, we're at Houston and it's not exactly the same offense but we're watching them just to watch their receivers block downfield. I mean, I, I, I yeah. can remember watching that in, you know, I'm a freshman watching it with a team, and we're watching Oregon basically watch their receivers blocking downfield. I mean, yeah. talk about what that must mean. Another Division One school is showing Oregon. But then I think also we started always hearing about, and I think Coach Walls is a little more in-depth on this than – or knows more about it than I do, but is how Coach Kelly practices. I mean, I think he kind of – 
flipped and maybe there's other people around that I don't know about, but as far as that I know, he kind of flipped everyone, everything on its head, questioned everything and was doing things that, that I was like, well, that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't you do that? Just, you know, from the day-to-day operations of practice to when practice was going, how you guys practice. I mean, I think all of that is, is, has changed. And now a ton of college football teams maybe haven't fully adopted that, but have changed tremendously since he's, he's done that um, at least as I, I know at Oregon. Yeah, I would agree with that. And just to, to your point on the receivers, I mean, that, that goes all the way back to New Hampshire. I mean, I remember, um, you know, we would, we'd get our hands on some of that Utah Urban Meyer film and watch those guys. And Coach Kelly brought me down and he's like, hey, this is, I want these guys to do this. He's like, so let's, let's make a plan. And let's, he goes, if you do anything, like, let's get him to just consistently catch the ball and just get him to just, you know, absolutely be a punisher on the edge. And so I put all my focus into that and with obviously with his help. And I mean, guys, it was like as crazy as, you know, if you're running outside zone away and there's no read, I mean, if you didn't cut the near safety or at least throw a cut block, it was like, you're getting a missed assignment. I mean, it was to that point. I mean, coach Kelly and I will still joke sometimes about the good old days when you used to cut people, you know, like that, but he'll, he'll, he'll say, Sage, go get your, uh, your hard drive. Let's show them, you know, a couple of blocks like we're talking about, you know, and there's some good ones on there. And it, like I said, it looks like beta, man, it's old film, but um, we'll show them all the time. But I mean, it just, that goes back to, to those days. And I think it rubbed off when coach Frost was doing it. Obviously you got a hard nosed, you know, coach Frost coaching those receivers and it rubbed off on those guys. And it's just the same mentality. It's, you know, you can turn six into 60, man. You can, you know, and blocking for your teammates, showing a little love to the guy next to you. That's what I say to my guys now. Look, guys, it's hard. We all come from different backgrounds. You know, I, I get it. If you don't want to tell the guy next to you, you love him right now, you will by the time you're done here at UCLA. But show him a little bit of love and transition from a receiver to a blocker and just, you know, go put your face on somebody. And, um, you know, we're, we're slowly working to that level now. You know, those guys at New Hampshire, they still uh, – they still chime in every now and then to text messages. Remember when I flat back this guy from this game? Remember when I cut this guy from this game? You know, I mean, it was a thing of beauty. And I got a, I got a drill tape that's circulating through the New Hampshire guys that, that'll never, never go, go away, you know. But, uh, you know, and in, just in terms of practice, I think it all started with just, you know, how to efficiently get as many reps as possible. That was, that's my, that was be, that would be my take from it. Um, you know, coming from a, huddle offense at at Nevada and two different ones. You know, I just missed the pistol at Nevada. I was, you know, wish I could have held on one more season. You know, it was that spring (laughs) that I was still there transitioning to to New Hampshire. So I got to hear all about it from, uh, from Jim Mastro, but um, you know, it, it, I think it's just trying to get as many reps as possible in, in, in at least amount of time. And at that back in those days still was to coach McDonald's program. It was still like, Hey, we're going to practice and we're going to practice until we're done. But um, Coach Kelly was all about efficiency. How can we, like, we're going to practice, but how do we not kill these guys and running their legs, you know, or, um, you know, let's get everything we need accomplished in a shorter amount of time. And then I obviously when he went to Oregon, like you said, I agree with you. He kind of flipped it on its head and to the point where he went into the mornings, you know, and to the point where he started going on uh, light on Thursdays after his study that he did with a bunch of uh, Olympic trainers, you know. Um, and then going a little bit faster to crank up that nervous system on Friday. You know, I think that was all cutting edge stuff that obviously bled into college football. And I mean, and right now, I think if you go in the afternoon, it's kind of like, oh, interesting. You know, talk to me about that, you know, even though we've spent a lot of time doing it. But um, I I see benefits to both, you know, with especially as many night games 
as there is here. You know, some of the Big 12 programs and Big 10 programs go in the mornings because they're going to be playing in the, you know, in those noon games. Um, but I just think it works out better from for us here academically too. You know, UCLA obviously being a, a high academic school, these these guys take in the quarter system, they take a pretty high academic workload. So I think it, it really helps those guys to kind of cut it off. You know, from seven to eleven is football time. And then from basically 11 to, to 5 is, is your academic time. You know, come back for dinner at the facility anyway, and we bring them back for a 40-minute 40, 40 position meeting, uh, and then they're out, you know. So you got basically from 6 to, to 9 to, to study and do what you know, be a college kid. So I think it's that kind of stuff, too, that you talked about, you know, not only just the practice structure, um, but the little behind the scenes, you know, hey, let's, let's keep these guys' attention. You know, no, no more meetings longer than 40 minutes. If you do go longer mm-hmm. than 40 minutes, have them get up and use the restroom, you know. Uh, in this day and age, you know, even going back a few years, have them check their social media for five minutes, you know, real quick. Like, you know, I used to be that guy, put your phones away, you know, and when we're talking and presenting, their phones are away. But, hey, let's use the restroom, check your Twitter, whatever, get it out of your system. Let's regroup, refocus, and let's go here for the last 20 minutes of this session and, and watch seven on or something like that. So um, I think there's a lot of little things like that, you know, behind the scenes that, that not a lot of people know about. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just to try to go as fast as humanly possible back in the day, you know, and try to get as many reps as you can. Um, and then built in some, some periods where we're not going fast, you know, so we're, you know, one of his pet peeves was going as fast as you possibly can and just draining the receivers and then going right in, you know, in seven on and then going right into a team. And it's like, well, these guys just ran, you know, 24 straight plays um, mm-hmm. and then we're going right into a team. So, um, you know, trying to help the guys out that way and it just gives us more mental reps and more walkthrough, which you're, you start, you guys are probably hearing a lot more, um, you know, or that's really beneficial for the offensive line, the tight ends, the receivers, you know, with, with as many route conversions as there are, take it over to defense with as many patterns as they're saying. The RPOs, you can't get enough walkthrough with the RPO stuff going on on the defensive side of the ball. So I think those built-in, you know, teach periods that we got, you know, after one of those big running sessions, you know, in between the team and the seven-on is one of the things that, that really was beneficial. And I know he started that at Oregon as well and took it into the NFL too. Coach, I loved your stories. I mean, about, you know, growing up, <clears throat> obviously when, when I was a GA, it was the same kind of deal. I had to laugh. You know, we had four of us living in, in the house too. We were lucky enough to have a pool. So it was kind of funny because a lot of the full-time guys would actually hide out from their wives for a while and they'd come over to the GA house so they could, you know, party a little bit, let their hair down. But, yeah. uh, you know, I always told Coach Harper, you know, and Coach Harper and I have been t- together for a while now. And, and I said that was the number one question I would ever ask somebody if I'm in positions interviewing guys, you know, how much do you love football? And, and you know, we all, have, we all know the yes, sir, guys. You know, we all have them. Like, do you love football? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They just keep saying it. And, and I always took another friend. You know, I want you to show me how and why, you know, you love football. And, and you yeah. telling that story, I mean, to me, it's, it's not only just say, saying you love football. You personified it. And I think it gives you so much credibility with the kids in your room when they do hear that story and you, you know, grinding it out and, hey, man, I, I love this. I'll do anything for you guys. And, and here's proof, living proof. Yeah. That carries yeah. so much into a meeting room and it carries so much to, to you know, all those head coaches that, that hired you. I guarantee they could probably feel that same passion that I did just on the other end of the Zoom call. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that. And I tell my guys all the time, you know, you, you do have to love the game. And one of my biggest things that I love doing is, and it sounds, you know, maybe a little corny and cheesy, but, you know, I don't care by now. Uh, so I'll, I'll Google or get on YouTube and just put in college football highlight or pump up. And sometimes I'll lead a meeting off, you know, if it's a Saturday and you know, you're going to get after it a little bit, you know, and you got a hundred recruits coming into town and it's that day, you know, back in New Hampshire, you used to have to buy the kids breakfast 
you know, I'd bring bagels, you know, I'd spend $36, which is like a million dollars when you're making whatever back in right. the day to bring my guys bagels. But, um, you know, and I, I just remind the guys, guys, you, you get to do this today. Cause you know, there's always the big hit. There's always the big, uh, sack. There's the big moss catch in the back. You know, there's the big juke, the big, whatever on that highlight film or that pump up next to some music that gets you, you know, gets you some goosebumps and just to kind of get you know, I'll show it for two minutes, you know, maybe a minute. And then, yeah, it, once one groan comes out of him, like, Ooh, ah, you know, then I'm like, guys, you get to do that today. Like, you know, just don't forget that that's, you know, I know that you get lost and what do I do on this and this and this and this and this and this and everything, you know, all these little intricacies and fundamentals that we're teaching our guys, but don't forget, like, this is the root of it, man. This is pop Warner, you in the backyard. If you didn't play pop Warner, I know you played some sort of football where you ran up to the Cadillac and took a left and you, and you got a ball, you know, like that, I, that, that's what you get to do today. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, I, I hope that rubs off. I'm glad, you know, I'm glad it does because I, I try to, you know, uh, portray that, you know, every time you you come into the meeting room or whatever it is, whether you're in front of somebody or whether I'm in a clinic too, you know, I just think that that's, that's something that, uh, yeah, I'm glad that, I'm glad I came across that way, you know, so, and then, you know, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and, you know, Pete Co listening to PJ Fleck a lot uh, last week and, you know, he said he's never going to hire a guy that hasn't been fired. And I think that's a great point too, you know, to come across, you know, we got let go when we were at Wyoming. And, you know, like, what are you going to do? You're going to, you, you don't have a job. You got a, a four-year-old and a six and a, let's see, he was born in August. So he had a four-year-old and a three-month-old, you know what I mean? And it was like, what are you going to do? You know, and um, we were lucky enough to bounce back and get and get to Toledo. So, um, you know, I think that's another instance of, you know, how much do you love the, what are you going to do? You know, you're going to fight, fight for your, obviously for your family, but then fight to stay in the game. So, um, and then, you know, I'll, I'll give you one more and then we, you, you can move on. But my dad, like I said, he was my counselor. Um, and so he enrolled me into a computer class in between the summer of my senior year in high school and going into junior college. And I figured out how to use the World Wide Web, as it was known back then, and because that, that was like 1997. <laughs> and I, I found when she was up there talking about Excel and PowerPoint and all this stuff, I was listening, but I found a Bill Walsh West Coast offense site that had the entire playbook on it. And I thought I was being pretty sneaky and printing off, you know, 20 pages here and there. And at the end of the class, because it was a sped up summer school, so it was like a three-week class. At the end of the three weeks, the guy goes, all right, uh, Sage, good job. You know, you passed with a, a B plus or whatever. Uh, he goes, but you owe me uh, $96.14. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, you know, that's what you printed off in the, in the, in the, in the lab, you know, the printing lab. I'm like, oh, okay. So uh, my dad was not too happy about that. I think at that time, I think the, the $96.14, I think was probably about 27 more dollars than the actual class itself. That's, that was three units that was supposed, supposedly getting me ready to, uh, to go out into the real world. So, uh, but I had my 200 59 pages of the West Coast offense, man. So it was really cool. And I'd be flipping through that and I put it in the binder. I think I still got it in the garage, but um, it, it goes all the way back to then, you know? So I knew it was going to, like I said, I knew it was going to be in my blood. Man. I was on the same site all the time when I was supposed to be studying back in college. Maybe on westcoastoffense.com, man. Yes, sir, man. That was a good one. <laughs> all over that thing. I could probably still tell you all the different categories that he had. Yep. It was a great site. I don't know who did it, but it was a great site. I actually met him. I did his podcast one time, John Anderson. Oh, that's cool. That's really yeah. cool. Crazy. Coach, yeah. I got to ask you about, you know, receivers. You coaching receivers for, you know, basically you know, almost a couple decades. Yeah. But, you know, I coach receivers now too. And I, I guess for me, it's like, you know, I always like to tell my guys what are kind of the traits of the best, you know, so the guys that you've coached, you know, the David Balls, 
you know, the, the guys at all the places you've been, what were some of the traits and some of the things that those guys did obviously on the field, but also off the field, because I think it's such a, a powerful thing when kids tell you, coach, I want to be the best. And then you got to be able to kind of lay it out for them. Sure. That's a, I mean, that's a great question. It really is. Um, what I would say is I used to be the guy that's a hard line, you know, you got to do this, you got to do this. But as you, obviously as you get older and you coach different body types and you coach different backgrounds, you know, I mean, you look at, you know, look at my background in New Hampshire, uh, Wyoming out in the middle of nowhere, but, you know, trying to recruit, uh, I think Alex Wrench and I went to the, the Dallas Fort Worth area for three weeks and we stayed out there while our families were back because we didn't have the budget to fly back and forth and recruit, you know, the Metroplex. Um, and then obviously in the Mecca kind of in Toledo where everything is in a four hour radius of you, all these big cities. Um, and then going even, even in Wazoo, kind of a, a similar situation as Wyoming, but on a grander stage, obviously. Um, but recruiting a lot of different players. I mean, that, that first January I was out there with my, without my family there, I would do a swing from uh, Spokane to, um, to Denver, Denver to Louisiana, Louisiana to Tampa, Tampa back to Dallas, Dallas to LA, and then home and for our official visits on Friday. So you're just recruiting different guys and body types. Um, so I'm not going to tell you that there's one hard line deal, but I will tell you this, in terms of athletic ability, uh, the quick twitch, uh, really has separated the guys um, that, that I've coached in the past uh, that are still playing at the next level. Um, the ability to sink your hips fast and get out of breaks and, um, and sink your hips and change a direction without slowing down your rate of speed. You know, and I think I had a pretty decent one in that this year in our, in our tight end. And uh, obviously so did the Patriots that were taking him in the second round. Um, but he had that ability, you know, not so much running a four or five or whatever, but you guys understand what I mean. But um, sinking your hips, quick twitch, in and out of breaks. Um, obviously, one, the ability to catch the football really well. Um, but that comes with, you know, that's a broad statement. You know, obviously, hey, catch the football. Yeah, I'm with you. But um, does he attack the football? Um, how is his hand placement? Little things like that that you can coach and, and coach through. But um, And then off the field, I think it just comes down to uh, – you know, I, I mean, I've coached the grinders, you know, that just grind on tape, show me the practice tape. As soon as the practice tape is up, let me watch that. What do you think here? But I would say the number one trait is just trying to a little humility, you know, honestly, and I know that's kind of a crazy answer, but um, when I say that is just being humble to, to be able to, to be critiqued by anybody in the room. That's a big thing for me. Big thing for me, coaching receivers and tight ends is anybody can coach everybody. I don't care if you got to, uh, a, a wily vet that's caught a hundred balls for the program and is going to break the record receiving. He can coach the freshman and then vice versa. If the freshman sees the senior false stepping, you know, he should be able to call him out and tell him that because we're all on the same page. We're all fighting for the same goal here, man. Like that, that's kind of been my thing all along. So, um, and that, that statement of having a little bit of humility and being humble is it can be, it's pretty broad, but um, you know, it could be that something to where, Hey, you know, at Toledo, we'd go in and we watch seven on seven as soon as practice was over. Uh, you know, and I thought that was a great tactic, but then, you know, trying to wrangle some of those guys in after a, a long, hard practice and still be within our countable hours there, you know, we had to be that 15 minutes that we had to get, you know, 16 plays done or else I'm bumping it to my meeting tomorrow, you know, for tomorrow's meeting. And whether it's, you know, your, your senior grinder leading the charge or your senior junior that's leading the charge going, Hey, you know, let's go in there. Let's knock this out. Let's not mess around. I know we're sweaty. I know we want to hop in the shower. Um, but like, let's get this 15 minutes and this is going to be a huge, we're going to watch the red zone seven on seven and you've got to see what that corner's doing. And then maybe that brings along, you know, the, the super talented freshman that is, 
man, I don't want to be doing this right now, you know. So um, just kind of humbling yourself and, and knowing what's good for the, for the cause and what's good for the program and yourself ultimately in the long run. Coach, I'm kind of curious with with tight ends and in, in, in the past at our high school, we've been we've had a tight end and we've had fullbacks and we've had two separate guys for that um, with how we're going and how we look personnel wise this year. We're probably going to have that guy that we're going to want to put at tight end and at receiver and in, at, in the you know, in a fullback set and 20 personnel. Um, how do you spend your time? Because to me, tight end, you know, minus the quarterback has to know more than anybody else on the field. I mean, he's got to know every formation, every run, every pass, every RPO, you know, half the RPOs, half, you know, all that stuff, you know, maybe pass protection, you know, pass protection as well. He's got to be, not only does he have to know that, he's also got to be able to get that done, you know, technique-wise. You know, offensive linemen spend their whole time working on on run block and pass block, and you guys only get a certain amount of time. How do you – and I don't, I don't mean exact percentage, but how do you percentage-wise put that, you know, get that done in the meeting room? And then how do you get that done on the practice field? Yeah, in the meeting room, I think it's going to vary a little bit just depending on what you're going to watch. So if it's a big red zone day and maybe that week we got a big pass game in for the red zone, then obviously I'm going to pull more clips from that and vice versa if it's a run. So I'm going to say you're going to be a little more varied in your percentage uh, in, in the meeting room. And the good thing about us is we do get plenty of meeting time uh, you know, whether it's in spring ball where you have the extra day or even in, in, in our every day where we have we bring them back for a meeting and then we have a meeting prior to practice the next morning. So um, I'm going to get my reps in. Um, and, and honestly, I just want to keep it. You know, you'd like to say 50-50, but it's, that's just not the case in the meeting room. Um, so we're going to focus on what we got. If I have a big pass set weekend that week, uh, then we're going to spend most of our meeting time. On, I'm going to watch when I send them over to Coach Friday and seven on. They're going to get a couple pass sets. They're going to work against a six, seven, nine technique, whatever the case is. And then we'll film it and we'll watch those. So maybe there's a little more pass that week and vice versa. If we're, hey, we're going to run our, our uh, duo play a little more this week, then maybe we'll work on that or, or I'll watch those clips. But um, on the field, I try to get as 50-50 as possible. I know that's a general statement and I apologize. But um, what I do say and I will say is uh, to, to any coaches out there listening is I try to – if I, I try to err on if, – if I know that we're going to go to, which we do, we have a hook period every day where we hook with the quarterbacks and we do the, the tight end specific routes. Then we come back with RVA, routes versus error, routes on air, whatever you guys call it in, in your programs. But if, if I'll spend a little more time in individual, because we only get two indie periods anyway, uh, I'll spend a little more time run heavy in those two individual periods where it's just the tight ends slowing it down a bit because you can have anywhere from four to seven to eight in this program. Um, but – spend a little more time on the run game there because I can make up for it on the back end in our hook or our routes versus air. So, um, you know, I, 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 our guys are always getting whacked whenever they catch a ball, they're getting hit. I got my big pole and I'm whacking them with the pole or I'm trying to swipe at their legs, whatever. So I know I'm going to get that skill taught. I'd still do it in individual. If we choose to do a speed cut that day, you know, early in fall camp, if you're saying your, your speed turns are going to go in that day, we'll rep through it and walk through it on cones. And then, but then at the same time, when we go full speed, they're going to get whacked. So I know I can always make up a little bit of that on the back end, as long as you put it in, in the meeting, Hey guys, when we go to hook today, I'm going to stand there and, and I'm going to use my crayons. I'm going to put my pads on my arms and I'm, I need you to work our club rip and our club chop release during that period. Okay. So I really want to see that, you know, and I'll come back to it during one of those teach periods that we're not involved that I was talking about earlier. Um, and, and I'll still hit it with it when it's just them to get the, 
minute details of it, but I, I like to make up some of that pass work on the back end when I know I got the quarterbacks and, and maybe the receivers there too, but I know I can still get good work. Okay, so my biggest thing with, like you're talking, you guys get to obviously practice in the morning, and then like you said, you get to bring them at the end of the day. My biggest argument for that had always been, even when I was in college, was like, I can still remember what I did in practice that day. And then when I yeah. come in, that was my, I didn't mind waking up early. So it was never a problem for me. Even if we wanted to go at 5 a.m., I was good. I know not everyone was, but I was. Yeah. And then I always just thought, man, I can still remember. I'm, it's still locked in my mind until I go to sleep and then it, it, it's over. But I want to know how I did. I want to know all about, you know, practice until I go to yeah. sleep. I was like, man, if we could come in, give the coaches time to break it down and we're still all locked into it these meetings could be so much better where, you know, opposed to that, like how we did it was you go to sleep and then you work out and then you go to classes. And then it's not until almost 24 hours later that you're coming in to meet about what you did 24 hours ago. Well, almost we should be getting ready for this next practice, not looking at what we did last time. And so that has kind of always been my argument. I'm curious, have you seen that? Has that part of it helped you at all? I mean, is that a true statement to make? Do you think that does help with uh, your meetings being later? Or uh, do you think I probably just read a little too much into it? I Honestly, I'd say it's a little bit of both. I would say the part that you're not reading into is that it is still fresh in their mind. You know, so they're going to go to one. Keep in mind, we're on the quarter system. So you might only have one class a day here. You only take three classes. So <laughs> gotcha. um, it's not like you got, you know, class every day of the week. I mean, you could but uh, the highly likelihood that you don't. So you might only have one, you might have two, or you do might have three, like a regular semester student. So um, it just depends on your, your workload in, in school. But I agree with you. I think that there, it is still fresh in their mind. And honestly, I think with the, with the mature guys, the vet guys that are, are obviously really dialed in, I think that it might give them a little bit of time to reflect. You know, when, if they got an hour and a half to chill before their first class after practice, you know, by the time they get to the dorms, he literally has an hour and a half. He might be able to reflect, be like, "Hey, maybe I should have made a nine call on that play." Oh, you know what? I should have. So then, when we come back, and for the sake of efficiency with with Coach Kelly, you know, I hey, what 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 do you think next time you get this look here? To walk me through what you're gonna. I'm gonna make a nine call right now. You know, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do this right now. I already know. I thought about it. I know I should have made a nine. You know, and it's it's kind of you can kind of that that would be something I think that you're you're correct on. Um, and then everywhere else I've been that we've practiced in the, in the afternoon, um, you know, I just, yeah, I, I think that it, again, they know why they're there. They're, you know, they're, they're on scholarship or they're not they're, they're but they're a part of a successful, you know, let's take Toledo for instance. We're success, very successful at Toledo the three years I was there. I mean, it was, uh, we had a lot of fun. We won a lot of games, but I think they, they knew, but I would just say getting the kids started, you know, they just went through a couple classes a day. You, you got to grab lunch or, or you're coming, you know, from, uh, from an apartment across the way and it's like, yeah, all right, you got to get started, you know, the, and you just kind of kickstarted a little bit. I would say maybe that's the case. And, you know, when you bring them back at night, um, it was always dinner first. So, you know, our, we've, you know, we're lucky enough to feed our guys right in our facility and then we come over and now we're, we're, we're meeting. So it's kind of a, it, you tie it in with dinner a little bit. So to answer your question there. No, I, exactly. That makes it complete sense. I, I think my other big question for any tight end guys and, in, in, you know, at the division one level or the college level, when it comes to recruiting, you know, I, I know you mentioned the two big things that you've, you really learned a lot about. I think you said was um, details with receivers and recruiting, you know, throughout your, your journey as a coach. And so with recruiting tight end, that always seems to me to be such a weird position to recruit because so many of the freak athletes in high school, 
their team is not going to be able to put them at tight end. You know, he's going to have to play outside linebacker or middle linebacker or quarterback or, you know, maybe even tailback. Maybe not the 6'8 guys. But, you know, they're going to have him probably not the majority of the time at tight end in high school. And so you guys are going to have to filter through some things to find that next big level of tight end. What, what do you guys look for at tight end? How do you how do you sift through, you know, probably a lot of different positions to try to translate, hey, is this six six, you know, receiver? Can we bump him into tight end or do we leave him as a big receiver? How how do you guys go through that? Yeah, sure. That's a, that's a great question. I mean, to be honest with you, that's 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 what it is right now. That is recruiting right now. You know, is, is he a six six, two oh five receiver that's gonna get big enough? Um, or is he, you know, is he going to grow into a tackle? You know, that's always the big, the two, that's the ends of the spectrum that you're working on in recruiting. So I think one, it comes down to how many at our level, how many you're taking, you know, if you're going to take two receivers or two tight ends, then I think you got a little bit and and what your room looks like, you know, well, I got a couple of lighter guys that are more vertical threats that can help us and stretch the field in the pass game. Well, then maybe we got to go out and get your true Y 50, 50 guy, you know, as we like to say. Um, But uh, or is he just your move guy? Is he your A? Is he your your wing? Your H? Your U? Whatever you call him in your program, um, where he's going to be the wing tight end. Honestly, I I don't like to categorize him like that. To be completely honest with you, I like to just say, let us figure it out. When let's go out and get a really good athlete that shows the traits that we want, and then we'll we'll pigeonhole. Not necessarily pigeonhole because you got to play both in our offense, um, but necessarily say, hey, maybe this, you know for this freshman. We're just going to concentrate on the wing uh, move tight end for this guy and then transition him to learn both, you know, um, at least for the reps. Um, but I think what we're looking for is, is we are a little bit different. You know, uh, we want to see some snap. You know, I want to see a guy run blocking. I'm that guy that's blowing up kids on DM like, hey, you, you make some great plays and, you know, you got a ton of offers for tight end. But, you know, you got any inline blocking. You know, I'm that guy, man. I mean, it's, uh, it is what it is. But we just want to see him fire off. Doesn't have to be much. Um, want to see him, you know, snap in the run game and just, you know, is he going to put his face in the fires type of thing? Um, you know, want to see him sink his hips and move in space in the run game. If he's blocking, like if he, if he's out extended as a receiver, you just want to see him move against a nickel or a, a star or Sam linebacker um, and, and move laterally and not just be lost in space. Um, and then I think the receiving traits are you just everything you look for in a receiver. You know, you want a guy that, that competes for the football. Um, you know, I'm a big – even back to my days coaching receivers, I'm a big hoop guy. I want your hoops to show up on, and translate on tape. So, you know, what does that mean? That means facing a ball up, you know, squaring up a ball, going and getting the ball at your highest point, you know, um, taking that, you know, rebounding mentality of boxing people out. You know, if, if we're running in one of the over-the-ball routes like everybody runs or, you know, the middle hook like everybody's running, or go box them up. Are you going to be physical? Are you going to compete for those 50-50 balls? You know, are you going to catch a ball with the guy draped over you and maybe pulling your right arm down, you know, or, you know, show me that and, and show me your drop step and get vertical, you know. Um, but, yeah, I think those, you know, you want the receiving traits in a bigger body kid and then you want obviously some, some physicalness and some toughness at the, at the line of scrimmage. And, and the beauty for us is I think you got a chance, to, you know, especially the young guys is you get a chance to work with them at camp. You know, that's where we're a lot different than, than, you know, some of the other levels, but um, you know, and I know you get a chance to see them fire and work with them for a, for a day, see them fire off the ball and run them through all of our drills that we want. But if you don't have that luxury, I would just say for us, you know, you're looking for uh, that that beautiful blend, which we call it. You know, you're just looking for that beautiful blend of, yeah, he's got enough in the tank for receiver, and he's got enough, you know, uh, weight in his butt to to be a tight end and be a true 50-50 tight end that, that can be able to do 
everything that we're looking for, or at least uh, something that we can mold him to uh, specifically. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's tough, man. It's, I don't, you know, it, it's, that's the, the ever the age old question right now in recruiting, you know, he's just a big, he's a big why. What does that mean? You know, like, and I, the beauty with my room right now is I got a little bit of both, you know, I got, I got, I got both right now and we're, we're hoping to get a couple more in, in this class, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's a great question and a fun one, you know? Yeah. I, I ask it cause I think that's the argument we have at our high school all the time. We, I got a kid, you know, we got a kid that's a, a sophomore tall receiver type kid and, and I'm, you know, the tight ends coach was wanting them to bump into tight end. The receivers coach wanted a receiver, and I'm, I'm wanting them to come to tackle and wait a year yep. and, and come play tackle for me in a year. So, I, you know, I just assume it continues that way all, all the way up until you find yep. that real, you know, real special kid. It is. It is. For that young man's sake, my, my advice, and I don't know him from Adam, but let him play it all. You know, I mean, if he, if he can mentally, if he can take right. it and, and, and handle it, but you know, maybe simplify it and, and make them, let them play all. And then that'll just open as many doors as, as possible. I mean, don't, you know, hey, gain a bunch of weight to do this or lose a bunch of weight to do this. It, just do what you do, man. And we'll, we'll put you in the right spot. If it's a tackle on this play, you know, and then you can transition them to maybe he's your sixth lineman or your heavy tight end personnel set. And then if you can still go up and get the ball, then you got a great threat on the backside of trips in the red zone, man. So, um, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, I just, I just think that, uh, you know, it's a beautiful position to play. Uh, you know, I, I hope my passion for the position of tight end comes across just like my story that I told with you guys before because I do think it's the best position to play in all of football. Um, you know, I know the quarterback is is a special position now, but I'll tell you what, man, it, it's just the stuff those guys got to know now with the with the RPOs, I apologize. Uh, but, it, you know, I just think it, with the athleticism and the guys that we get to work with at this position, you know, that we're that all these tight end coaches at any level are recruiting. I just think it's a great blend of, of athleticism. And, you know, it's basically, here's what it is. It's everything I wanted to be when I was a tight end. You That's know, right. Uh, it, it really is. You know, I played hoop and, you know, I was the guy that would foul out in the first half and, you know, maybe hit lucky enough to hit a three and have probably seven rebounds. But uh, I, I tried to play, you know, my tail off for my teammates, but I was just always on the bench late in the game because it was, I was fouled out. And uh, the refs, you know, up in northern Nevada, everybody knew everybody with a multi-sport refs. So, you know, this isn't football stage. This isn't football season, you know. So um, it's basically everything that I wanted to be, you know, it's just a, a tall. And, you know, I know it, it, it's given a shout out to Cal here. But, you know, I got the chance to watch Tony Gonzalez up close and personal. And I remember my dad would drop me off at some basketball games and I get to watch Tony Gonzalez. I watched Tony Gonzalez catch I think it was seven catches for 163 yards and a touchdown in the in the big game against Stanford and then play against the Australian national team the same night in an exhibition game in Haas Pavilion and it was one of the most unbelievable things I've ever seen you know I was a I was a tight end I played forward you know he was a tight end he played forward and so um, I just think it's it's a great position you get you get to work with all different sizes of athletes I mean you know you take my guy this year the Devin Asiasi who just got drafted by the Patriots you know he's not your 6'5 6'4 6'6 guy he's a 6'3 255 pounds um, that could basically guys do everything that you guys have been asking that I've been telling you you know he could he did a good job of sinking his hips he had enough quick twitch in there he could he could sink his hips and 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 move directions without really changing his rate of speed. He had the physicalness and the snap that we were looking for, you know. And I, I think it showed, you know, in, in the draft and on the film. And and like I said, he was lucky enough to get drafted by the Patriots. But yeah, I got a lot of passion for the position, and I, I think I think that rubs off in recruiting too. I, sometimes I think it's cool when you got a, a coach that played the position. I don't care what level you played it at, but if you played that position, uh, JC High School Division Two Three NAI, I don't care. I think that that's pretty cool. Coach, you know, 
I think a lot of a lot of people, you know, want to use a tight end and, and want to do a better job of that. You know, what are some things that you guys do kind of like your, your favorite routes, go to things? I mean, you know, your, your last two tight ends have had, you know, 50, 60 catches and, and being super productive in, in the past game. You know, what sure. are some of the routes? What are some of the concepts that you, you know, feel like, man, it, this is called to highlight the tight end. He's not just a check down or he's not something, you know. I think a lot of guys, I know me, myself included, you know, always looking for ways to get the tight end more involved in the passing game. Sure. Um, I know the first answer is going to be really vanilla and basic, and I hope you guys aren't mad at me, but it's good old-fashioned why stick, guys. Uh, I, I mean, it's, that's the power of, of the pass game, you know, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Um, it's been around for years, and, and it's going to be a lo- around long when I'm gone. Um, but I think it's more about how you use it. You know, it's, it's when you, you, you break down the structure of the defense and who is on the other side of the defense, finding that matchup, exploiting the matchup with your bigger body personnel. So whether it's a, a smaller will that week or, hey, the will can really run this week, let's put him out to the strong side and run it to the field. Um, you know, let's do it at an empty. You know, as you guys know, you know, it can create a lot of mismatches across the board for any position. Um, so putting him in, in that situation um, and then, uh, you know, and then the other answer in terms of the, the, the five-step game would just be um, the, the good old-fashioned two-by-two, 10-yard speed out by the tight end. Uh, I think we've done a really good job. You know, it's just a deeper stick route that we coach it the exact same. So he has the ability to sit in zone and run out and man, which is the same thing we would teach him on good old-fashioned Y stick. Um, but putting, uh, you know, clearing it out with the front side receiver and running the, the good old-fashioned 10-yard out with the receiver and, or with the tight end and then putting whatever game you want to on the backside. Um, but then having the ability to really go to that side versus all coverages. I think that's, that's another thing too, about the beauty of playing this position is, well, if, you know, I know the read says if it's man, you go to the other side or you stay this, but I got a six, five, you know, I got a six, six, 256 pound kid in my room now where you can miss with that throw and put that thing high and away. And he's still going to make a play on the football versus, uh, you know, the boundary safety or the will linebacker, sometimes the Mike linebacker. So, um, those are two of the ones that, that we really rely on. And then just going back to Coach Kelly's, you know, philosophy, uh, dating all the way back to New Hampshire, everywhere he's been, Eagles, Niners, um, Oregon is, is the play-action game. And just good old-fashioned, you know, why overplay like everybody's running. I mean, that's a staple, and um, we'll continue to run it. And, um, you know, just trying to get, get him open in space. And obviously it starts with the run game, and you got to do your part in the run game. And, uh, open up those holes, but just trying to get our guys behind the defense. I think that's that's the three concepts I would say that to, to really to, to to begin with and to to start getting pumping that ball to the to the tight end. Coach, you've caught, you've talked you know several times and, and talked about starting a meeting even with with a one or two minute pump up video, which I thought was awesome because I I still watch those you know myself or used to watch them before we'd go play games just because it would get you pumped up. But uh, there wasn't yeah. many. Uh, Houston, there wasn't many Houston players in in those pump up videos. The really cool part I would assume for you is um, there's going to be a lot of different guys from UCLA show up on those videos that you could show. I mean, random videos. You're going to see some of the. I mean, it's going to be use. It's going to be Rose Bowl. It's going to be. I mean, all of the everything that is college football o- over at UCLA. And and man, what a cool thing that would I would assume be able to be is is show that. I mean, guys, we're, we're at it. We're at a bowl game that everyone wanted to be at, but where we get to be here every home game, we were, I mean, it, I mean, what a cool just part of history. And, and I, I know I remember being 18 and 19, maybe, maybe they don't think of it as, as 
that grand, but it, it really is. I think now when I get to look back at it, um, I think if you're in that position, man, what a what a cool, so what an easy sell to say this is college football. You're at the Rose Bowl. Uh, the videos you guys watch to pump other people up is is of your your alumni uh, going out there and doing the same thing. Yeah, I mean that's a great point. I will tell you that I'm not uh, I'm not afraid to show any and everybody for those pump up videos to start my meetings. I mean I'll, I'll show. I mean I just think it's it's the pageantry. It's the it's the dynamics of college football. It's just you know, the work that they're doing in the weight room, you know, sweating, blood pouring out, puking at times, you know, just with the guy next to you. Um, but that's what it's for, you know, and I, I don't care if it's a rival in conference, out of conference, I don't care. I just want them to see that and hear it. And, you know, everybody does a great job with the, the highlight films now with the music and the, you know, the transitions and the segues, everything I had to do as the video, you know, one of the video <laughs> highlight, because I made the highlight videos in New Hampshire, so I'm kind of partial to it. That was kind of an uh, added income I got from Sean McDonald at New Hampshire. You know, I do the season-ending highlight film. So, um, but yeah, I mean, if it's an NAIA guy going up and making a tight end, making a one-handed catch, or a receiver making a one-handed catch from a junior college, and it's on that clip, I'm showing it. I mean, it's just you know, it's the same thing learning ball. I think you can learn ball from anywhere you go. I mean, you go to into a high school, and you know, and you got, got to play on the board you like. You know, hey, coach, well, you mind? I, I like your guys, but can you talk me through that? Like. You know, I, I, I just think that, that that's worth its weight in gold when you're traveling around the country. But um, I think the part that, that, that you hit on, though, is with especially with our previous tight ends, these last two, is now I get to show those guys like this is what it, like this is what it's going to look like here, guys. And I, I found myself with with not extra time, but a little more time on our hands now of going through some cut ups and watching some and then sending it in our group chat like, hey, guys, really like the release here. Really like the top of the route here. Really like the, the catch point here. Really like the run after the catch here. You know, just little coaching points that we talk about. Uh, but I get to show Devin doing it. I get to show Caleb doing it, who's, you know, obviously still playing in the National Football League. So um, I think that's what, what I would say is uh, I get to show those UCLA clips. And then, you know, we've had some great tight ends here in the past too. And so I try to dig up some of those guys' uh, film as well. Um, but uh, I, I think that, that that's worth its weight in gold is, is the, the guys lately, you know, because those are, those are the guys that have been in the room. Every guy in our room has been in a room with Caleb. Every guy in our room has been in a room with Devin. So I think to, to see the guy that was, you know, two seats away from me, because this is our meeting room, by the way, here. I know you can't see it on the, on the podcast, but the, the, my virtual background is our UCLA meeting room. Wow. Uh, so that's, uh, that's where the tight ends go, too, because it transitions well for special teams. But, um, you know, this is the guy that was two seats away from me, uh, uh, and now he's with the Patriots. He was the second tight end taken off the board, you know, as an underclassman. Wow. wow. Imagine if I can do this, you know, by the time I'm a senior, you know, who, who knows? Or, um, but I think that's, that's pretty cool when you get to show, you know, the guys next to you doing it. And, and as far as the Rose Bowl, I'm with you. Uh, the Rose Bowl is, is, it's just the Rose Bowl, you know. So um, we got to get it rocking back to, the you know, the 90,000 plus. Uh, I know not this year, especially with what's going on with, with the COVID-19 and all that. But, um, you know, we're on the right path. And uh, it is a special place to play, man. I, I make it a point to walk out there. Uh, play catch with my son and my daughter before every game for at least five minutes before the official groundskeepers kick us off. And then I just grab a piece of the grass and kind of look around because the only one thing I think of, and I know you guys will understand is I think of Keith Jackson saying, you know, mm -hmm. welcome to the granddaddy of them all, man. I think of it every time. And sometimes I get a little, little emotional when I think about mm -hmm. it, but that's, uh, that's just what it is, man. That's, that's, that em embodies, uh, you know, the Rose bowl, you know, in that game, just listening to you know Keith Jackson talk about it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's pretty historic place. Very, very lucky and, and, and blessed to be, you know, there the last couple of years. I know we got to go to the, the Rose Bowl 
it have been back, you know, Nebraska played Miami, of course, Miami whitewashed them. But I mean, what a, a cool venue, cool place, you know, you get to go to the, the golf course and then Nebraska went out and played USC, you know, those yeah. dreaded words a few years yeah. uh, later, my buddies went out and of course, then they parked out there and they actually got their rim stolen on their, their vehicle next to the Coliseum. So I'm like, yep, I like the Rose Bowl a lot better. It's a lot cooler place. So a little recruiting plug for, uh, for UCLA. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we don't we don't park on the you know you know that turns in like you said I think the golf course turns into a parking lot for our games. That's uh, where we you park. Know, I've, had, yep. I've had family members have, that had to park over there, so I've seen it a little bit. Um, you know, we get to park, thank God, a little closer uh, to the <laughs> to the other entrance. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's just uh, it, it's just a great setting. You know, uh, I love noon games, I really do. But um, when it's a five o'clock game in the Rose Bowl and you got the Mount San Andreas Mountains right there, you know, and just kind of. It just is, it's really cool, guys. It's, it's, it's really cool. So, um, you know, just like I said, that's why I show those guys those, those videos. Yeah. I'll show them. And again, you know, it's not just the, the Rose Bowl, as you guys know, but it, you know, sometimes, you know, when you, the aerial views from, you know, the swamp flying over on game day, it's pretty cool to me, you know. Uh, you know, obviously I was in Toledo, so we were 40, we actually lived on about 40 minutes from, uh, from Michigan. So, uh, you know, I drove to the big house and saw that one day. I actually had to, uh, recruit the school right again over high school right across from it so uh, I, I did a little detour you know um, but it's just it's it is what it is it's your profession and it's 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 what gave you the itch you know like I said a stadium you know gave me the itch to, to, to coach this game so um, I mean I climbed up to Strawberry Hill or Strawberry Canyon on my dad used to call it Tightwad Hill at Cal before we played him last year because that's where they fired the cannon off and I climbed all the way up there pregame before we had to go out and I took a picture and I FaceTimed my dad. I said, look where I am. He's like, man, I haven't watched the game up there for 40 years, you know, or whatever it is, you know, 50 years. So uh, it was pretty funny. But, I mean, that's, that's why, you, you know, that's, that's your fondest memories of the game and coming over and smelling the grass when you first see that grass. And there's still nothing like it. I mean, you can go to a baseball game, and I've been to a ton of baseball games, major league games, and I try to experience that for my kids too and have them do the same thing. But when you first see the grass or what now is the turf, I don't care. You know, uh, it is it's pretty symbolic of hey, this is this is pretty cool. We got to we got to fly in and play UCLA my my uh, sophomore year, and so fly in. I had no idea there were mountains, and I'm like, oh, there's mountains here too, and the beach. And so then we get to the field, and um, you know, we walk out on the field. It's everything you thought it was going to be. It's the Rose Bowl, and then we we go over, start warming up, and we're like. The cheerleaders are so hot here. We couldn't believe it. It's all we talk about in pregame. And then, then you look up the stands and you're like, just the regular people are hot here. What, what's going on? And then um, uh, someone allegedly in, in my household now has a uh, sign, that, don't tell anyone, that says Rose Bowl that someone took off of uh, top of one of, those, one of those lockers. We couldn't, couldn't, uh, couldn't help but have one of those when I went home. But it was, it was unbelievable. It was, like you said, those are the things that you remember is some of those big-time college, college places. I mean, it's – on the first one, I mean, it's Southern California, guys. I mean, what can, what can you say? You know, I mean, it's uh, – that's all I can say on that. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, there's a lot of people here, so the chances of, of the cheerleaders um, looking like that are, are very high. I'm with you. We were shocked. Um, we were ha- – the offensive line was happy. We – we got we yeah. got crushed later, and I get to play against Anthony Barr, which hadn't yep. been an outside linebacker yet. I was yeah. starting, I think, at left tackle for the first game, and um, they kept telling me about this running back. I think he was a running back that converted to outside linebacker, and better be ready. And I was like, yeah, I, I guess. And he was, he was good, but obviously, it wasn't 
anything like he was going to be yet. It was his first yeah. first ever game at linebacker. And then, yeah. you know, I get done and I start looking back. I'm like, I wonder – remember they said well, I played against a really good outside linebacker. What was his name? I find out. And, oh, shit, Anthony Barr. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But uh, yeah. funny, funny how little I knew at the time. Um, no doubt. No doubt. Mine was with DeMarcus Ware. He was at Troy, <laughs> I think. And it was on a punting, and I'm I'm lining up. I'm on special teams. I'm on punt return. They're like, "Hey, this left guard, man, he can roll." And I'm like, I get in the game, and we're playing at Troy. And I'm like, "Oh yeah!" Like I'm looking at his, you know, the back of his jersey. They didn't have their names on the back of, it, but I'm pretty sure it was him because about a year <laughs> later, when we were when I was at Moore Park and we were watching, you know, Troy beat up somebody on national TV. I'm like, "That's the same dude." You know, sacking the quarterback eight times. I'm like, "That was the left guard or right guard." I'm like, what, man. I did. <laughs> going out like I just knew a human being sh- that big shouldn't be able to move that fast, and you know, so I that was kind of my my experience with that. But <laughs> that's exactly right. Well, coach, we've 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 kept you on an hour, um, but thing I always like to do before we cut everybody loose is uh, ask you when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, and I tried to do that, obviously, even you know when I'm coaching the receivers, no matter where I've been, um, I try to be as active in the run game, especially when our guys are, I'm trying to get them to block just like the O-line coaches. I mean, one of the biggest compliments for me is when, when our receivers at wherever school I'm at, will will get up and talk to people or uh, recruits or recruits parents and be like, he coaches them like the O-line. Like we get coached like the O-line, you know, we get yelled and screamed at, you know, sometimes coach spits on you, you know, like it's, he gets excited, you know, and I honestly take it as a compliment. I mean, cause um, you know, that's, that's just the way I want my, and I want my guys to play with that same, uh, mentality when they're going up for a football, you know, so, um, but I, I would say just, uh, you know, the physicality obviously is just one that, you know, that's part of being an, an old lineman, but, um, you know, I would just say the, the, the ability to work as one, if that makes any sense to you, you know, you got five different guys, you got five different body types, you got five different personalities, but you guys know as well as I do the offensive line does a great job of molding together, sitting in the back of the bus, you know, being inappropriate at times you know that's where the tight ends were we were right in, you know in front of the tight in front of the o-line but you <laughs> yeah. know in, in the receivers were in front of us but so we got to hang out with like the guards you know the centers and the tackles were all in the back but uh you know but just the ability to function as one and communicate um you know making the checks i just think it's you know it's a thing of beauty when you know you got the center calling out the point working here hey you good here we're hey make your rip or list call make your your sit bring it call whatever you guys are and, and be on the same page um and then execute a football play you know we were a big five-man protection at wyoming with dave um and jim did a great job with those guys there but that was my first introduction to the molly you know we're gonna molly back and versus odd teams and have a center molly and you know, hey, don't worry about that edge rusher. Tell the quarterback, don't worry about that edge rusher versus this. We're going to molly back and get him, you know. And I was just like, is that really going to happen? And obviously, you know, Dave was first year there and, and, and took some time. But to see that work in unison and, and see that was was just really pretty cool. Um, but, uh, you know, I still think you can't, you can't take away from just the, the pure physicalness of a big athlete just, you know, getting at another big athlete, getting after another big athlete. I think, you know, and putting a, another human being on the ground, is, you know, obviously you're not trying to hurt somebody, but that is still the name of the game. And to, so to see that done the right way with everything that you teach your guys, everything that I teach my guys, everything that every junior college coach, every high school coach teaches with inside hand placement, second step in the ground, low pad level, you know, like that's what everybody wants to see. But 
however you got to get there to put the to win your one-on-one matchup I think that's still you, you can't you can't fake that so when I see that and you see a, a team playing nasty and physical like that I think that really that sticks out to me on film you know Coach, man, it's been an absolute blast. I know uh, Coach Harp and I want to get out to to SoCal here at, at some point. I don't know if you guys if you guys ever open up, man. It just seems like you guys just keep extending stuff out there. So, if if it ever comes down to it, I know I've never been to San Diego either. So JT had said, you know, you got to come down to San Diego. So uh, it's definitely on the bucket list, and and we're sincerely hoping we can get out to to UCLA, man. This has been a blast. Yeah, well, one, I hope I answered everything you got um, or that you needed. You know, I know it goes fast when you start going down memory lane, and I hope I wasn't too long-winded. And Two, you guys are always welcome. You know, Coach is great with that stuff. So you can knock two out in one, just fly into either San Diego or LAX, come see us, and then you can drive on down or up down wherever you want to go. But come see uh, JT and come see us. But, yeah, I I can't thank you guys enough. Like I said, you guys have done, done a great job. Uh, got to listen to you guys on my early morning walks and whoever you've had and love how you guys mix it up too. So I just uh, hope I gave you everything you guys need. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, Simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.